Welcome to Bladder Buzz, the podcast where doctors, researchers, and consumers discuss bladder health and function for those with neurogenic bladder. On today's episode, we welcome Dr. Arty Stampus and Dr. Rose Kavari to discuss what is bladder Botox. And now, Bladder Buzz. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bladder Buzz. My name is Argie Stampus. I'm an associate professor for the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at University of Texas McGovern Medical School in Houston and the Director of Spinal Cord Injury Medicine Research at Tier Memorial Hermann. I'm happy to have Rose Kavari, my friend, doctor, colleague, urologist, with me. She is an associate professor, Department of Urology at Houston Methodist and the Director of Neurourology here at Houston Methodist. Nice to have you back, Rose. Argy, thank you. Glad to be back. This is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, and I'm all here to discuss it with our listeners. Okay, so again, we're going to start with a clinical scenario. I have a spinal cord injury clinic at Tier. And I have patients who come with neurogenic bladder, many of which have overactive bladder symptoms. So, Rose, can you tell us what are overactive bladder symptoms? Good point. So, overactive bladder was just this term created to make it simple for patients to understand what disease they're having, for the physicians and the clinicians to be able to diagnose it and treat it better. And it's a group of symptoms. Most patients have few of them together, and it's just not one single symptom. And those symptoms are usually urinary frequency. Patients feel like they got to go all the time, or they got to catheterize all the time, or they have this feeling of urgency, this really bad bother that they have to catheterize right there and then, or they have to go empty their bladder right there and then, otherwise there'll be an accident. Or there will be an accident, so we can have overactive bladder with incontinence, or overactive bladder without incontinence. And that's, again, frequency, urgency, getting up multiple times at night to catheterize or to use the restroom or having multiple accidents. That sounds exactly like some of my patients' complaints, Rose. Um, So they are having overactive bladder symptoms uh, from their neurogenic bladder. So let me tell you a classic scenario. I have a patient who performs intermittent catheterization He has a spinal cord injury, and he's had it for years, and he's leaking in between the times that he catheterizes. He's tried several overactive bladder meds, and he's had some relief, but when we try to go up higher, he just cannot tolerate the side effects, the dry mouth, the sedation, and especially the constipation. So in patients who can't go up any higher, are not getting any greater relief, or who can't tolerate the side effects... Are there any other medical options for patients? So that's a very common scenario, or, or even more common than that. Patients would say, you know, Doc, I used to use six catheters per day. Now I'm going through 12 catheters per day. And that's when we know that if there's no infection, the fact that they ha- have to go through so many catheters per day is probably because they have a very tight spastic bladder that just needs to be relaxed. Now, if medication didn't work or they had side effects, well, we have great news. We can try a Botox injection into the bladder. Um, and that's when we start the discussion about what it is and how it works and if they would be a candidate for it or not. Yeah, so what exactly is Botox? So people have heard a lot about Botox, but usually in the, in the cosmetic world, we use it for wrinkles in the forehead 
Or in the medical world, people have used it for spasticity, let's say for migraines or for neck spasticity or leg or arm spasticity. But so the medication itself, the Botox itself is the same medicine. It's, it's, a, it's a molecule that allows the muscles to relax when it's injected to that target area. The way I tell my patients is that, well, think about the bladder the same way. It has muscles on the outside of it. If you have a tight tennis ball, bladder, you want it to be more loose, like a looser balloon that can hold more, hold longer without these episodes of spasticity that leads to leak. So we want to make the bladder, the wrinkles in the bladder, we want to make them go away so bladder can relax and hold more. So that's what it is. It's just a molecule that when injected, it blocks the nerve endings and allows the bladder to relax and gives it a bigger capacity. Does it work better than overactive bladder medications? Oh, a hundred times. It, it works so much better. So this is not, I just want our listeners to know, this is not an investigational or a research drug for the bladder. It's been approved since 2011 for neurogenic bladder patients. So we have very long record and history of how knowing how it works, why it works, and what are the side effects of it. So we know it's stronger than a lot of other medicines. And for for that reason, uh, maybe I'll just kind of talk a little bit about the side effects right here, right now, because yes, when things are stronger and work better, they may have a little bit more side effects. And the most important side effect, if you read the, the label on Botox to the bladder, you realize that it says it can cause urinary retention or incomplete bladder emptying, which can lead into having more infections. Well, that's sort of a relevant in a lot of our spinal cord injury or MS patients or neurogenic bladder patients because they already catheterize. They already are in retention. So it's that's why it's it's so effective and it works so beautifully for these individuals is that we don't worry about the retention problem because they don't have that problem. They already catheterize. We do have to be a little bit more cautious and use maybe lower dose of it for um, individuals who have neurogenic bladder, but they don't catheterize. So, so those are the patients we, we kind of look into the the situation a little bit more carefully and adjust the dosing and the timing and those sort of things. So I just want to clarify for our patients that can urinate on their own who are not catheterizing, if they were to get Botox, it could potentially cause them to stop urinating on their own. They'd have to catheterize again. So if that's the case, how long does the medication last? So that is correct. Um, and that's why we do urodynamics. It's a test we do in the clinic where we measure the tightness or the spasticity of the bladder. So for our listeners, Botox is approved for not only neurogenic bladder, but smaller doses of it for regular overactive bladder patients who don't have spinal cord injury or MS and they don't catheterize. So we can adjust the dose to tailor to the patient's need. Not everybody gets the higher dose. So not everybody goes into retention or has retention, the risk of retention is actually 3% or lower than what we used to think. So we can adjust and tailor the needs for our patients for the amount of Botox that we're injecting. But again, going back to the neurogenic population is that we usually, they need the higher dose and we can determine that with the urodynamic um, testing. So let's get to your other question about how long does it last? Well, I tell my patient that the Botox lasts about six to eight months in the bladder, which is much longer than when it's injected into the muscle, let's say for in the forehead or in the larger muscles like the arms or the legs. And that's the beauty of it. There, there, there's two points. It, it lasts much longer. So patients don't have to come in to get it to receive the Botox frequently, which is 
nice. You can come in once or twice a year and just have your Botox of the bladder done. If you hate it, well, it's going to wear off. It's going to go away. If you love it, unfortunately, it's going to go away and it's going to wear off and we have to repeat it in six to eight months. Majority of our neurogenic bladder patients come on a repeat and scheduled um, schedule. So after the first one, we kind of know where they, they sit. Are they in the six-monther? Are they in the eight-monther? And then we just put them on a scheduled plan that they just come um, every six months or every eight months and they just get repeated injections because they they honestly, they don't want to go back to where they were. It's, it's such a dramatic improvement that they just don't want to go back. So for our listeners who like to know about the numbers, as far as the bladder capacity, doesn't Botox improve the bladder capacity, I think, better than overactive bladder meds? So it does. We actually have good good data, solid data on that. So I tell my patients that, let's say, measure your urine output when you wake up in the morning. Usually patients can hold much longer throughout the night. And so those numbers are sort of solid numbers. Most patients who cath, they know what their capacity is. Is it 200? Is it 300? Is it 400? So they know that volume. Um, and I just ask them to document that for a few days in a row. And then two weeks after Botox injection, I just have them do it again and document their numbers again. We have good literature data that after injection of Botox, about two to three weeks afterwards, we can really increase the bladder capacity. And again, the reason for that is that it relaxes those wrinkles. You, you, most of the patients do have that, that tightness in their bladder. So if you relax the wrinkles, then they can hold more and they can hold longer. They can hold more comfortably without the bothersome urgency. Well, it definitely sounds great. So what should patients expect on the day of the procedure? So very good questions. Um, things have evolved so much over the past 10, 15 years, Argy, about how to do Botox. We've gotten so much better at doing it, so much more effective. And, um, you know, there, there was a day when this was started, we used to take patients to the operating room. It was a burden to take patients to the operating room for this five-minute procedure. And and now we do it in the clinic. We put just a tiny little bit of lidocaine jelly in the bladder, in the urethra, and some more in the bladder. Let it sit for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And that's all most of the patients need. I do more than 95% of my Botox injections in the clinic. It's just so much more convenient for the patients not to needing to have a ride, to have an extra uh, person there to wait hours and hours. We'll do it in the clinic. They watch the monitor as I do it. Um, and usually it's less than one minute. It's literally less than one minute. And they can just be on their way right after the procedure. There's really no downtime after this procedure anymore. So Argy, I think we do about 100 of these injections per year in the clinic. And obviously more than 95 of them are done um, here in an ambulatory setting and not in the operating room. So um, it's very well tolerated, um, uh, very minimal downtime for the patients. And what I tell them, if they're, if they're, if it's their first time, obviously patients are very anxious. They're very nervous about what, what they're going to go through. So we do a lot of counseling about what to expect for the procedure. I ask the patients to come in well hydrated, especially the day before. Most neurogenic bladder patients have very colonized bladder. There's a lot of bacteria that lives in their bladder. Not necessarily infection, but they have colonization. So I'll ask them to come in well hydrated. Um, if they have recurrent UTIs, then we may consider antibiotics, not routinely, but just if it's indicated for that uh, individual. 
and then we'll go over the the local anesthesia how it's done and then I'll, I'll ask them to be if they want to watch the monitor they can usually the first time they're a little bit more reserved about watching what we're doing and then after that Honestly, they just watch the whole procedure with me. Um, they can bring their, their iPad, their phone, listen to music, whatever they want. But it's less than a minute. It goes so quickly. Rose, what do you mean by watch the monitor? What are they, what are they looking at? Okay, good question. Many patients think that inside our body is, you know, kind of gross, maybe. But I tell them that actually inside the bladder and the urethra is so pretty and it's it's so well beautifully organized and they've been cathing all for many years, most of them by the time they get to me and but they've never seen or imagined how it would look like in their urethra or in their bladder. And so um, we use a small little camera that's the size of their catheter and then it's connected to uh, a bigger monitor. So whatever I'm seeing, they can also turn their head and see the monitor and see inside their urethra where they pass the catheter and then we get into the bladder. If they want to listen, I if they want to watch and listen, I'm more than happy to explain to them exactly what I'm looking at and what these different anatomical areas are. Um, and again, many of them are reserved the first time, but after that, they all want to watch it and see what's going on in their bladder. So they could actually get to see the injections of the Botox into the bladder on the monitor. I think that's so cool. But what about patients who are on blood thinners for other reasons? Can they still get the procedure? Yes, they do get to see the injections if they want. So there's a tiny, tiny little needle that we pass through our camera that exits the end of the tip of the camera and then we can use that to to inject uh, the bladder so uh, again we've really modified our template of injection and now we do very minimum number of injections um so it's not as painful as uncomfortable for the patients uh, and everything super magnified so if they want to watch it they can but let's talk about the question about the, the blood thinners that you mentioned. So we do ask our patients if they are on blood thinners and the reasons behind being on blood thinners. But the beauty of using the scope that really magnifies everything is that when we insert the needle, we try to avoid the vessels that are lining the bladder. So for my patients, most of the time, they really don't have to come off their blood thinners. We can, we can really make sure that we're avoiding the vessels and injecting in between. Again, you know, I tell them that there may be a little bit of blood in the, in the urine afterwards. Because, I mean, think about it. These are just like going and getting a shot. I can't put a Band-Aid over the area of the shot in the bladder. So there may be a tiny little bit of bleeding, but it's usually not much. And um, most of the time it, it clears up uh, within a few hours after the procedure. So ho- hopefully that answered that question, right? So can anyone get Botox for their neurogenic bladder incontinence? Or are there certain specific cases that cannot get Botox? So there's really very limited um, contraindications to Botox. Let's say patients have had it for other reasons in their neck and they had trouble with the, with weakness in their neck and breathing issues, then I definitely would avoid uh, in those scenarios. But honestly, most patients can qualify. Age is not a limit. We have had many patients who are above age 80. Um, now it's actually it's, it's FDA approved for kids as well, like let's say spina bifida patients and kids. Um, so we can use it for, for that patient population as well. Patients who are pregnant or breastfeeding, I'm hesitant. Um, we usually wait until that, that period is passed. Otherwise, there's really no contraindications that I can think of at this point. Okay, now how about this? What if it doesn't work, Rose? What happens then? So I wish it worked for everybody because it's such a 
easy procedure to do and it's so effective. But but unfortunately, there are a group of patients that have very spastic and tight bladders and it doesn't matter how much Botox we, we put in the bladder. And I just remembered something I argue regarding the contraindications. There are times that we do have to be cautious if patients are receiving Botox in their other areas of their body. We don't want to overdose or overdo it. So if they've had higher units of injection in their musculature somewhere else, we usually wait until that wears off. But there, there is a limit to what Botox can do. It really can. Some bladders are so remodeled and changed and stiffened that really Botox may not work. And in those situations, we do have to fall back to our surgical procedures, um, our gold standard surgical procedures, where we would basically open the bladder up and use a piece of bowel of the patient's own piece of bowel to augment it, to make it bigger, to enlarge it and help with the pressures and capacity that way. And that's why we monitor some of our patients that more are more complex or they have a stiffer bladder. We do monitor their pressures after the injection to make sure that we did get the results that we wanted to get. Well, it sounds like for the majority of patients, this sounds like an amazing treatment option. Why aren't all of my patients getting Botox? Any, any thoughts on that? So I think that, that that's a good, good point. I think access and knowledge are the main two reasons. Access meaning that many times patients are not aware that this is an option or they don't, they don't know which urologist who's the expert in their area that they can go to to receive this therapy. Also, many of the times there's some limitations from the patient's insurance that they have to try prior therapies first and fail those or have side effects before they can be advanced to, to Botox injection. So I think access is probably the number one reason. And the second thing, I think just having a discussion with, with the patients and knowing that there is this sort of non-invasive option available to them, it's key. All right, so let me try to summarize uh, what we've talked about here. People with spinal cord injury, multiple sclerosis, who have neurogenic bladder can have overactive bladder symptoms like frequency, urgency, and incontinence. And many of these people would benefit from treatment with Botox to their bladder, which is a simple procedure done by a trained urologist that involves a camera being put through the urethra into the bladder and then several injections, which can last for months. Most patients qualify for this type of treatment. And what seems to be the biggest limitation is access to providers who know how to do this. Does that sound about right? That was a perfect um, summary. I do want to also add that Neither me or you, we neither one of us have any conflict of interest. Uh, we have no affiliations with the with the manufacturer that produces Botox by by any means. So we do want our listeners to know that that this is our honest observation of how this therapy works and how it's changed the life of our patients. Great point, Rose. And I just want to thank you again for another great podcast here on Bladder Buzz. Thank you for having me again. Bladder Buzz is presented by the Rehabilitation Research and Training Center on Neurogenic Lower Urinary Tract Dysfunction. The information presented in this podcast does not express the views of the individual's employer or affiliated institutions. The content is for informational and reference purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, or as the sole source of guidance for decision-making.
we advise you to always consult with a physician before making any healthcare decisions or for guidance about a specific medical condition. Thanks for listening. Come back soon.